0: finally, this question. The mystery of whose story it will be.
1: Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of the Underrated Podcast. We are a podcast that discuss films that we think are underrated, underappreciated, and those that have just slipped under the radar and passed most people by. Today we are going to be talking about my choice, of course which is Sucker Punch. It's the 2011 film that um, Zack Snyder wrote and directed, considered as one of his only two, I I would guess, original IPs. Um, it stars as the main character, um, Emily Browning, as well as uh, another s- slew of actors such as Vanessa Hutchins, Abby Cornish, Jenna Malone, and Jamie Chung. Oh, and, of course, you cannot... Oh, and, and Carla um, Yun... How do you say? Gu- Probably Gucina. Gucci. Yeah, yeah. And then, of course, we cannot forget our main man, Oscar Isaac Hernandez Estrada. And as, I have a crush well. on all of them. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, But yeah, this is um, my choice. Um, it, I have had a really good relationship with this movie. I would, I, first off, for those that are like, have seen it, at least just once, I would say, and um, kind of like have thought, Oh, really? That movie? Yes, that movie, because I think that it's actually a really good movie, and um, we'll get into that discussion as well. Start off, as always, um, my co hosts are Derek Duff and Alan Wait. Torres.
2: Hey, everybody, how's it going? Mm-hmm.
1: So, yeah, yeah, let's go round table, and uh, I'll leave myself to the last since since uh. This is my movie, and I have some, some thoughts and stuff. So,
0: yeah. Yeah. Um, um, did you want to go first, Alan?
2: Yeah, I wanted to go into it first, because I, I actually wa- wanted to hear more about what you guys had to say about it. Because um, I I feel like... Uh, I guess I'm very passive on it. I, I really like this movie, and I always enjoyed it. Uh, I've seen it a couple times. And I kind of... Um, for a while, always this was kind of in the back of my mind as an underrated film. Uh, even I had a had a thought of doing as well, but uh, I'm glad Ariel brought it up. But yeah, I dug it. Uh, I, yeah. Oh, sorry, go ahead.
1: Oh no, well, I just wanted to like say off the bat that like one of the things like I I had found while like kind of watching YouTube videos of like other people's opinions on this and stuff, I I. I had only seen, I do not think like in the little, in the bit that I've, I like was watching videos and reading comments, I did not see actually a negative review of this movie. I, heard, I saw a lot, a lot of saying that this is, I, I enjoy this movie a lot. I really um like the tone of it. I really like the message of it. And also as well, which, which kind of constitutes why it's on this, this podcast and why we're reviewing it. A lot, a lot of people saying that this is a very underrated film, and it definitely, definitely was at the and possibly considering still at the time. I know I've heard some podcasts that have <laughs> kind of unfairly like pushed this movie into the ground, and then of course it wasn't it, it wasn't uh, received well with the general audience as well as the critics uh, as well. So. So, yeah, but that, that was the tone, at least on the Internet, as of me looking looking things up and stuff. So, yeah.
2: No, I agree with you with, on that. I I remember when the movie came out, uh, I wanted to go watch it in theaters, and I think I just didn't have the chance to. Mm. I think I was reading it came out roughly around the same time as, like, Deathly Hallows Part 1 came mm-hmm. out. So, mm-hmm. that might have been one of the big things. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: it's yeah, really good in the theater <laughs> I watched it. I watched it in theater. It was, yeah, it was it's I, it's actually too. really
2: good. Yeah. Nice. It took, it actually took me a couple of years. I, I I don't think I saw it until like, maybe like two years ago. And then I kind of watched it back in every now and again. But I remember reading all that stuff too. No, no one said a bad thing about it from what I remember. I know some people at the time were kind of like the biggest complaint I heard was like, Oh, it kind of feels like a very long music video. Which I can agree with on some time, on some segments, because it really does feel like it's like a bunch of, um, oh my God, what's the word? Vignettes? You, yeah. Vignettes, uh, mm-hmm. like of, of like segments, you know, with the samurai stuff. And then mm-hmm. that, like the, the World War Two stuff, like everything like that kind of had like its music to it. And it was a whole scene. And obviously, you know, I, I get what Zack Snyder was trying to do with it. I guess that's my only complaint with it. It's not really, like, a complaint, I should say. It's more of just, like, yeah, it's very music video-y. But, yeah, I remember at the time, nobody really disliked it. I think it was just too many other popular movies were coming out at the time. And then that's when, I mean, now we're kind of living in this, like, very big IP uh, reigning kind of world where, like, an existing IP is uh, is flourishing at the movies And on TV right now, like it's impossible to go anywhere without seeing it. So I think that at the time that was like the big start of it, especially with the MCU growing and, you know, Avengers was going to be out the following year. Yeah. And the, and I think too, it's because I will say Zack Snyder's previous films were a little bit more, I guess like action oriented. I mean, this one's very action oriented, but it was very like male kind of dominating way. 300, and then uh, Watchmen. Watchmen. I mean, Watchmen. Yeah, Watchmen. You still had, you know, uh, um, Silk Specter. Silk Specter. Thank you. Uh, but at the same time, it was very like like three hundred was his like big fucking movie. Like yeah. it was like fucking men and capes and underwear. boom, like proto pre Superman kind of mm-hmm. thing. So I feel like even reading the comments about um, baby dolls. I forgot her the actress's name.
0: But Emily Browning.
2: Emily Browning. Thank you.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Even she was saying that, like, that scene that you had told us, this is before we were recording, Ariel mentioned of, like, this, like, secret ending or deleted scene ending, and I was reading about that, and even she was kind of like, yeah, this movie is going to be R-rated, but they were trying to push for a PG-13, and it was the same scene, and they were trying to show Baby Doll kind of taking control of that scene. It was a sex scene, essentially. Or getting to insinuated, it. Insinu- yeah. yeah, insinuated <laughs> sex scene,
1: which hmm. isn't the first of that of this movie. Like, there's like mm-hmm. there's times where where truly like they are preyed upon by predators and things like that. But that scene itself was supposed to be kind of contrasting in a way of like of of taking back that kind of power and stuff. Mm. That's what kind of leads into um the final scene what well, the scene that we see at the beginning or start of the beginning and then end on with the lobotomy which i i would like to talk about later uh, on of the lobotomy itself scene and that that kind of in, in meaning and stuff like that but but yeah that's what like kind of like the playing around with the r rated and of course like it wouldn't be a, a zack Snyder film without be, there being a director's cut to this movie mm-hmm. because I think th- this is still Warner Brothers, right? This mm-hmm. was, this, yeah. yeah. This is like just this little, little like glimpse into how Warner Brothers, you know, kind of like handled Zack Snyder movies. So leave it at that kind of thing.
2: Even even that far back, like even you know before Batman v Superman and Justice League, they were still you know even Watchmen. Even Watchmen yeah, has like an
0: extended Watchmen uh, extended, that has a whole thing about mm-hmm. like the fucking these two guys are like we've got the same name and it's like where's that gonna come up again in Zack Snyder
2: oh the like the Black Freighter stuff yeah like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, yeah I'm not gonna lie I'm, well that's a discussion that's for another thing <laughs> yeah because um, I love Watchmen I'll get uh-huh, into that. But, but um yeah even she said that apparently the Warner Brothers execs were like well she seems a little too aggressive or something like that and they had a Zach had to edit it in a way where John Hamm was being more aggressive on her, and the execs were like, yeah, that's fine, and then Zach was like, I don't like that, that's bullshit that takes away the whole point of the scene, and it was yeah, taken I, out. I
0: will say that he did say that that version, that's the quote-unquote director's cut, is, like, not his real version. It would be interesting to see that, because I do still have, I won't get into it too much, but I do still have a lot, I do have some, a lot of problems with that scene, and I think that the theatrical cut, for me, was a much a superior cut, because I think the way that scene like his plays in the movie doesn't really work with everything else that's been set up and i don't really i, I don't know what if it was his vision but he has gone and said like even the director's cut is not what he was really planning to do cuz there was so there is a third version out there somewhere probably that we haven't seen yet
1: yeah i think it was Never- more a lot, a lot more which which while it has the undertones of like consent and stuff like that and that's where the difference comes between those two the the her her experience in the asylum beforehand and then her experience now and the representation of it I think that what what Alan was saying of like how the original original cut was of it being even more eh, vocal and like uh, upfront with her her like essentially re- representation of cons- cons- and that's and what and I'm like saying yeah
0: that we don't of that. have that version um. I don't really want to go into that too much necessarily because I I do want to talk about what I really like about the movie. And specifically, I really, really like the theatrical cut um, Mm -hmm. of it, but I'll, I'll let you continue, Alan.
2: Yeah. No, I mean, I thought that, that scene that we're kind of bringing up, you guys can just go on YouTube, look it up. It's just, you know, the delete in ending. Yeah. Yeah. You you
1: can watch it. You can watch it like in addition to the, the theatrical mm -hmm. ending if you want. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. I, I, I don't know, a lot of time when I see deleted scenes, I'm like, eh, that's cool, but it never yeah. really gets me any other way, unless it's, like, a purposeful, you know, like the Snyder Cut for Justice mm-hmm. League, where it's like, this is how it's intended. I'm like, sure, but if it's, that's what it is, I'm like, cool. I, I enjoy mm-hmm. the ending, the theatrical cut ending a lot more anyways. I feel like it was a lot more hopeful, so mm-hmm. I do that a lot more. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, all, all around, I, I really dug the movie. It's a lot of fun. Very, you know, action-oriented. A lot of anime. Fucking headphones, sorry. <laughs> a lot of anime, <laughs> you know, a lot of, like, anime-inspired kind of stuff. With, like, those, mm-hmm. you know, the girls wearing kind of, like, schoolgirl outfits. And kind of giving them off a little bit of a Sailor Scout. Yeah, yeah, them.
1: exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: So I dug that, of course, easily. I'm a big Sailor Moon fan. So I'm like, fuck yeah, dude. And,
1: yeah. um Go- going off of that. Do you think mm-hmm. that that if it was released like at the right time, not much competition, which nowadays you can find that that special time in, in a movie theater with not much competition. Do you think, especially with a lot more of an explosion, I know that, that that anime was already getting prominent in 2011, but I think even nowadays it is a lot more prominent, especially among female viewers as well. Do you think that if it was if this movie was released like nowadays with this kind of like popularization with anime, this movie would probably be viewed a lot because that I got exactly like with this rewatch. I got very much like this is like essentially like a mix of like all these different shoguns and animes and because that's what anime is essentially like all these different kind of versions of like uh, Middle Earth kind of feeling or or, you know. samurai's or or even world war you know world war 2 or, or world war futuristic. one yeah, yeah. yeah and all that and yeah like do you think do you think that it, it might have gotten a bit more like a exposure but also appreciation
2: uh yes and no because if if we went by the same way as have we've been going on you know i think like there's like a weird thing with Zack Snyder nowadays. I where, know that's you know, true too. he has his, his cl- I, I kind do, of cult I followers. do want to get yeah, into that. Yeah, that's true. He has his like big cult followers and I love Zack Snyder. I'm not one yep. of those like fucking like, oh my God, anything else is trash. I'm like, I like his stuff, but I also know when there's something, I'm like, eh, it's whatever. Like I still haven't seen Army of the Dead and I'm like, I'll get to it one day. I loved his remake of uh, Dawn of the Dead and, and all the other stuff he's done. But yeah. I'm like, you know, I'm not going to be like, oh, my fucking God. Da, da, da. Like, Sucker Punch, I won't lie, is probably my mm. least favorite of the things I've seen Ooh, of him. But really? it's not bad. It's not bad mm. at all. Yeah, it's yeah. just, it's kind of like, what Quentin Tarantino movie do you like least? And it's like, fuck, well, I don't know. But, yeah. um, yeah, yeah. I, I think it would go well nowadays. I think if maybe there wasn't that whole rap with him, the whole repertoire with him mm. going on. Which is I, kind I, of
1: starting, I I think in in this like or people were like oh this movie's just like him stroking his ego which it's like uh like it, you kind of like called it a little too early like i could i could see where you could make that argument nowadays especially with the whole push of of like the release of the snyder cut by fans and stuff like that which you know in itself like if it didn't the fans tainted it which fans nowadays like uh kind of taint a lot of things but um which did bring a little itself. bit of
0: it on, it was more his fans, but yeah. he, did, he didn't discourage them, and that is kind of plays into his his whole um libert- libertarian slash objectivist philosophy. Yeah. But
1: yeah, but I will like, say David Ayers
2: like... is a little worse right now, he's he, oh, yeah, he's yeah. really like egging yeah. it, on, But that's a that's I a legit, whole different story yeah, yeah,
1: that's the whole thing. But but yeah, like I mean, like um, very much so, like I know that this was like kind of people starting to like kind of troll in that direction and that kind of contributed to like at least like the pop culture scene having that opinion on this film but yeah i i get what you're saying with like, like definitely nowadays nowadays yeah that that um connotation and reputation kind of have like a little bit more of a kind of in imper- like um um impression on this movie yeah Unfortunately,
2: yeah. yeah, but no, I, I definitely think it, it could probably get along nowadays like i like 10 years ago, you know or 2011 11 years ago, whatever it, it, it you know anime was completely different well not completely different, but in the American pop culture, it wasn't mm-hmm. as strong as it is today where you know it's everywhere now, like it's mm-hmm. just it's kind of becoming the 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 it's included
0: to the pop culture
2: now. But yeah. yeah, but yeah, Derek, I'd like to hear what you, you got to say.
0: I mean, honestly, I, I kind of, to answer Ariel's question and kind of lead into my thoughts, I do not think this film would do well today because I think this film is, of all of the movies that we've covered, this was one of the first ones I think I had bookmarked of wanting to talk about eventually, and I'm really glad you decided to talk about it because I think this film was... is. Some We'll talk about films a lot of times, and it's like, okay, well, this film did well critically, but it did bad financially, or people liked it it is a big cult following, but it doesn't... As I had a very different experience than you guys, where I felt like no one I've encountered liked this film. And people I've seen on the internet, people I've known in my real life, I've maybe known one person other than you guys who's a really big fan of this, other than myself. I feel like this film, from even from the critics, from moviegoers, from just general population on YouTube. And I know you said you had a different experience, Ariel, but like almost everything that I found, because I have been watching a few like Snyder videos and breakdowns and stuff recently, and people have been very, very critical of it. And just even Snyder's own very, very, like we said, vocal fan base, who is always like out here, just like aggressively pushing for all his films. You never really even hear about that from that side of it. So I think that everyone just kind of missed the boat on this. And I don't know that, time would have really changed that. I think it's another, like we spent a whole mini series talking about these quote unquote big swings. And I think this is another big swing. It's a big, interesting intellectual property that has all these crazy effects. And, and it, I just think, you know, it run, ran into the same problems that like an elite, a battle angel or a Tomorrowland or uh, any of these, these films that we talked about in the past ran into even something like John Carter they run into the same problems. And I but this film to me, this is and I know that I'm this I'm gonna I had the exact opposite feeling with you, Alan. This to me is my favorite Zack Snyder film. This is mine, Zack mine Snyder's too. masterpiece. Thank mm-hmm. you, Ariel. Because this movie, I think it and it, it is a lot of because you we this is one of the only original Origin. adaptations that or mm-hmm. not adaptations that he has. This like is an original Holy. yeah original Film, you know, it's not based on a, a comic book like so many of his movies are. So you don't have like the Frank Miller seeping in these other worldviews that I do think that you know I, I think a lot of his more toxic fans identify things that are not Zack Snyder that maybe come through the adaptations of other people's works and stuff that aren't really him. And I think this was his chance to really show us who what he who he is and who he, uh, what he believes in um Because you know Zach Snyder, people the kind of right claims him like people who are very like very conservative and very like angry white dudes kind of claim him as one of their own. And he's like, I'm not, you know, that's not me. He's like, I'm. I, he's like, he endorsed Joe Biden. He's like, I'm a. He's like, I'm. A, he's like, hey, I'm a liberal guy. Like he's gone on the record and said Ooh. that. And he kind of like is a little confused by the the people who are his fans that are very much have an opposite political view of him. And I think that. He is very much someone who is supportive of people of color and especially women, like under, you know, people who are not straight white dudes. He has been, and even though a lot of people project things into some of his works that I think are maybe there, maybe not, maybe are relics of other things that he's adapting. This is his, this is kind of proving that like he is, you know, he does really want to do something for that. And you can see that even in like the casting of Jason Momoa as Aquaman and stuff like that. But um, this movie really here is kind of him saying like, yeah, there are so many male-driven, male-led stories. And he's like, yeah, and I have been a big part of that. Obviously, 300 is the big one that's all about just mas- macho masculinity and just like m- the male thing. And this is kind of about people taking their stories back because that's what this movie speaks to me so well. And you were you guys were kind of hinting at it. And I think that the whole movie really does a good job of being like yeah when you are someone who is in a position where you do not have as much power just by the way you are born and it's saying like there is this this kind of like toxic masculinity that perme- permeates the culture and just kind of keeps so many people down especially women and this movie is about how like women are kept down and the and what this movie is essentially saying is that that people can tell stories and these stories like film is an incredible tool. Film is this tool that takes these stories and lets people reclaim the narratives of their not lives and kind of reach and kind of shape things to the way that they should be the way they want them to be seen. And while baby doll is doing these, these lewd acts that are just for the performance of men that are these, you know, just this should what would be the male gaze? Instead, she's reforming that and making this this badass, just awesome action scene with just a bunch of women. And I think that is so cool. And I think that the Scott Glenn character is maybe almost like an audience avatar, or not an audience avatar, director avatar. Or so Snyder himself, of him being like, okay, here I'm just gonna kind of set this up, and I want to give it to you. I want to like make this story about the women and about the stories that they can tell. And I think that is so cool. And as someone who is a storyteller myself, I think that is incredibly powerful. And I think that was something that message was just missed by so many people or misinterpreted both by people who want to that support Snyder and by don't kind of really missed out on all of that. And I just, I really love the movie something that you see as a recurring thing in so many of Snyder's films is the kind of the sacrifice by the hero in the end of the film um, that comes through here. And it it's, it's there someone sacrifices themselves so that, you know, the rest of the people can live on. And he does it obviously in a different way here, but it is still with, you know, I do think that the, the bottom scene as presented in the theatrical cut for me is very powerful. And it mirrors a lot of the, See, you always have someone getting skewered by something sharp in a lot of Snyder movies. And I watched a really interesting video essay recently that was talking about how one of Snyder's favorite films ever and a film that is so important to him is the 1980s film Excalibur, which kind of ends with, you know, spoiler for a myth from the 700s or whatever. Uh, But someone getting like King Arthur getting skewered by a lance. And that is something that kind of he's echoed so much in his work. I think he doesn't get enough credit for this film. I think this film doesn't get enough credit for being an absolute real masterpiece. And, you know, obviously, Zack Snyder's a white dude. I'm a white dude. But I think, you know, him being, especially at that time, people were not getting the power to tell their own stories. And this was maybe his attempt to be like, I want to kind of give stories back to these people, because obviously women are are very important in Snyder's life, this film is dedicated to the mother memory of his mother who had died a year before. you know Snyder had three daughters at the time um one of them tragically was lost in suicide, so obviously the women in his life have been really, really impactful to him, and you can see that in this film uh quite a bit
1: no i I definitely agree with everything that you said in it and like just the uh the message and that uh, the core message of this movie is to fight, fight back. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. so many characters like say that line sp- starting with Carla um Guccino. And that's that's just the core theme of this movie of of this fighting back and especially, you know, a powerful message for for women and stuff like that. And like um you have this yeah, like this very diverse character list of these four um, or five women, I mean, and just yeah, like how powerful uh, it could can be. I um one of the videos I was watching on this is, uh, of they like said and interpreted that all the men in this film are very physical and like and to the, these women, but all the women are like using their minds and their and all these like tactics instead to win over uh, to to essentially win this This fight, this game, and stuff like that, and, um, kind of like to address the elephant in the room of why a lot of these a lot of people didn't get this, I think has to lie on the boundary to like this imagery and this kind of story of like essentially layers and 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 very in speaking of a movie that came out just a year before this of inception. It yes. is very much an mm-hmm. inception. If yes. you think of it like that, which like that's why I'm like, you guys didn't get it. Like you guys like it's tech basically inception. You you have the first just to start off to to set the layers. You have the first layer that's seen essentially in the first five minutes of the movie. That is like what we can consider as real life. You know, she accidentally kills her her sister, after her mom died, her stepfather is trying to take all their money and stuff like that. So, so he basically sends him to an, sends her to an asylum. It, that too, sorry to, to penetrate <laughs> my own thoughts, but, but, um, the fact that it is set in, I guess like the early sixties or something like that, 60s, 70s, something, sometime mm. around there.
0: Mm. Um,
1: it's just a testament of like, yeah, this, was kind of real life of, Of women, you know, always having that kind of like hysteria kind of thing and placed on them specifically in the 60s, 70s. This was happening to a lot of people. I mean, you have one one flew flew over the cuckoo's nest at the same about the same Mm -hmm. time as well. Yeah. So like women were like pushed into these asylums because they acted out and for it's kind of implied with with Rocket and Sweet Pea kind of like. Got pulled in with her because she was try- probably trying to protect her, and and so they got put in here. You know, probably similar stories happened to Amber and and Blondie, and yeah. So that's that's the first layer. That's the real life, which we also see at the at right at the end as well. Um, but then you enter the second layer, which you know it could be it argued whether I, that is sweet peas, which I kind of have interpreted as being sweet peas, kind of like level of imaginary oh, to survive and stuff like that and then and then the final layer is is baby dolls um with all the y kind of things as well and just yeah like people have a problem with the imagery of this movie i would say and and the metaphor because this whole movie is essentially like all metaphorical of a yes. movie but all these actions are happening. Like we get that confirmation at the end of at least like, you know, like she helped somebody escape, which was sweet pea. And mm-hmm. she did stab Oscar Isaac's o- orderly. and um so those are real events. like we we are and en- we are start off in real world and we end in real world. it's It's not like we're left with some kind of Going back to, like, that, the big swings, like, you know, Valerian kind of world where it's like, what the frick is going on here, you know, kind of <laughs> world. It's it's a very, like, if you int- take it as it should should have been interpreted and how it's meant to be ter- interpreted, these are just fantasies, which are very common for the people going through trauma and stuff like that. They create fantasies. They create a fan- fan- fantastical world. It's a very, very mental Mentally real story, you know. When it when you think of it like that, and um, and yeah, like just it, it's such a powerful, strong story to be told of you know just women and and th- this is like I've i voiced it like on our Infinity Stones and Dragon Bones, and now it's kind of getting traction of how kind of like pushy kind of a of a of a scene it was, but. But this is how you're supposed to do like women empowerment in my opinion not in this in especially in a kind of like a superhero kind of movie not not that kind of like we're out of nowhere kind of scene in avengers endgame that doesn't make any sense logically (laughs) i mean logistically of where these women were on the battlefield but that's getting that's getting traction i've seen like finally a video saying that is out of place like yes Really? Barely? <laughs> yes. I have yeah, been barely.
2: hearing about it since yeah. Endgame came out. Yeah, and
0: I think, like yeah. I, I talk, I yeah. The, right at the weekend it came out I was talking to my friend about it and she was yeah. just like she was so pissed.
2: I know. Yeah, even it's even just... the boys parody parody. Yes, it. the Barry. Yeah, yeah exactly. The, yeah, yeah. Do the exactly. Whole, uh, okay. Okay, okay. The girls yeah. Do yeah. It because the
0: boys do usually like parody mm-hmm. Snyder, but they did yeah. <laughs> that was the time.
1: Yeah. 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 So the this this movie is how you're supposed to do it because it's such It just is, in my opinion, just such a subtle way. And you get those relationships like built so easily through this fantasy that it it becomes even more believable. And that I I would say that second layer, which is uh, the most like the majority of like some pretty much realistic, you know, kind of thing. But yeah, this this movie could be interpreted a lot of ways because there is a lot of ways. Like you could see it is like we kind of know that Rocket, it, because they're they're present in that real time, in my opinion, the real world scene at the beginning when she comes into the the first time into the the um theater, um and the her and Oscar Isaac and her stepfather are talking behind her, um so Rocket Amber and bondy are present in that scene but the thing that kind of is like up into interpretation is like they they weren't really their deaths weren't really mentioned in in the end with the real world so that's the only thing that I'm like which is a good thing like it's a mm-hmm. really good thing and and just finally before i like stop my rant and stuff <laughs> like that um finally with that final scene with the lobotomy scene I think it's it's definitely like one of the most powerful scenes i really I really think that's really awesome as as well to kind of show it at the beginning and then at the end, which also leaves that whole middle part into interpretation is like, is this kind of like her baby doll's interpretation of her whole time that whole week that she was there before the lobotomy? Um, but like I just this idea of lobotomy overall i think in a lot of different movies and and um media is kind of like this this thing of like either being a release or kind of like kind of su- seen as like kind of something like that which it's kind of lobotomy is, is essentially you know you you like disconnect part of your cornea the cornea in the brain and stuff like that it's like for some instances, it could help seizures others it's kind of like it it's just kind of hard to do. It's like a, a, a kind of like a medieval kind of thing nowadays very, but very um, yeah, yeah, but yeah, I just wanted to like kind of like connect two different instances of like things that I've like watched of media that I've watched that that had lobotomies that kind of like shows the the kind of like parallel to this lobotomy in this movie of like there's like the song. Before the lobotomy in, in, like, American Idiot, but also in, like, depicted in American Idiot, the musical, of, like, the loss of of some of control over your life kind of thing. That's that's um, kind of, like, an interpretation. If you've ever seen that musical, you get the sense it comes right before, like, shit hits the fan and everything in that musical. And then that's kind of, like, that loss of control of your own life, which this movie also, like, inter- kind of has that interpretation leading into the, the lobotomy but then also like you connected to another popular movie that has a lobotomy in it of Shutter Island and yeah very I was much wondering if you going to say yeah, yeah very much see the parallels between the Leonardo DiCaprio's character and the spoiler alert <laughs> of it yeah sorry spoiler alert it's okay that movie's, <laughs> meh. that
2: movie's man. Um, that movie's fucking yeah. good Alan shut up I thought it was mad
0: as fuck <laughs> we're going to cover it next week we're going to fucking cover it oh, next God. week uh-huh.
1: The ambiguousness of of both baby doll and Leonardo DiCaprio's character in that mm-hmm. of like them is this like also like a release of of pain of, of and then also of having a final control over your life, you know, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like this is a choice. Like I think that's something that both those characters share. Of like they want to forget, they want that release they want that release of the pay- of pain that they feel they want to forget everything essentially and but also in doing that it's like they're finally taking control of their life which is of control that they lost so mm-hmm. so yeah connecting those two kind of like instances of of media pop culture media that I know of of like essentially yeah, yeah before the lobotomy and then the lobotomy itself so yeah
0: and one step further too i think both of them are feeling like that this is like, they're almost sacrificing themselves like baby doll by getting this lobotomy. It's like, you know, a, a death basically to her. Um, and she's sacrificing herself for the greater good of, you know, helping someone escape and get out. Cause she knows she can. not And then Leonardo DiCaprio is kind of sacrificing himself because he feels like he no longer really deserves to have a life. Like he has that line at the end about being a monster and stuff. So I, I think that's, that's, you know, something that definitely another parallel between those two scenes um but i i wanted to kind of circle back to what you were saying about the levels and just the being open to interpretation and the parallels you saw with it inception because i saw a lot of parallels with inception as well but when i you know first saw it back and it came out you know the year or so after inception and i drew a lot of parallels and i think that this one also i think just like inception is ambiguous and at the end you're like what was, you know, you you're think you know at the end, and, but you're wondering if what was real and what wasn't. I think this one does that really well too because it does pepper in things. that's like, okay, on the most, you know, just the kind of basic reading there is that top, the quote unquote top level is the real world. But I think it even makes you question that because it does say to you, like, even that is a story because Zack Snyder is kind of telegraphing, like, yeah, this is all a story. Stories give you power. And because the movie opens... the. This, um, and this yeah. Is some, mm-hmm. yeah, it opens with the, her room, but her room is, is a stage. And it's the same mm-hmm. exact stage that she sees when she goes into the hospital later. So it's kind of giving you that, like, wait a minute, how is her room the same exact stage? What is he trying to say with this? And it is adding that ambiguity and saying, like, yeah, so maybe this is real, maybe it's not. Maybe this whole thing is just a story. You're not sure where the story ends and where the reality begins. And, it, and it's And, you know, he's kind of saying, like, He's telegraphing to the audience that, yeah, this entire thing, well, maybe not telegraphing enough because people didn't get it, but um, but I think he's te- saying to the audience that, like, yeah, this whole thing is a metaphor, this whole, all of these stories, this Russian doll of a movie of stories within stories are all, this is obviously all a story, this is a movie that you're watching now, you have to take this into the real world, and, you know, I think that's now more important now than ever, We're recording this like a day after, you know, we had a, a very pivotal election where we are fighting for, you know, honestly, we're fighting for for women's rights, you know, and and that's what this movie is saying. It's like you have to go out and take these things that you saw in the movie into the real world, and I think that is, like I said, more prevalent now than ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. It doesn't. It's definitely like plays into um, kind of that 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 bringing you in literally in, as an audi- into the movie as an audience member with that scene, um, very similar to something that you know um something that I covered in um You've Never Seen of Moulin Rouge kinda like mm-hmm. and multiple different movies have am, am, um opened like that. But it is it does definitely like lead into that. And I do I do kinda like uh, agree with you with that just that that interpretation of like you this is a story, first and foremost. And that's what's the most important thing. A story has a message. A story has a theme and I think that this is very much like that's why, like, people like, get confused about this movie and stuff like that, and like all these things, like, and get get so confused that they get frustrated. Um,
2: but I do want to say, I, mean,
1: just take I a do want to say one
2: big thing, yeah. yeah, yeah I yeah. think it's also the advertising because I remember at the time, yeah, it was very mm-hmm. much sold as like a very hardcore action movie, yeah, yeah. with mm-hmm. girls, 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 kind of thing. It yeah. was very, like, look at this, and I think that's another big reason because, like, Lately, I've seen people say, "Yeah, it's good." But back, but back, even back then, just to backtrack a little bit, I did hear a lot of people that had seen it. You reminded me, Derek, that people were like, "It's not what I thought it was going to be." Yeah, and mm-hmm. I think people went in with expectations, just like uh, like Crimson Peak. Crimson Peak was very much sold as a haunted uh, house, haunted house. Mm-hmm. movie when mm-hmm. in reality it's a gothic it's romance a go- mm-hmm. 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 Mm-hmm.
1: no i it's feel it's the you uninvited exactly. <laughs> yeah
0: yeah no i love really? it and, and um, real fast i will say like on that note like i remember the person that i saw sucker punch with and i came out i was like i loved it what did you think and he's like i'm mad we didn't get to see her dance she was supposed to have the sexiest dance ever and i was like you missed the whole that's point the, of the whole fucking point movie. that's the entire <laughs> point dude <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's the whole point. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah, that's <laughs> uh, fucking everybody just goes over their head. Goes over their head and then they get they get complaining. Then they get <laughs> complaining. It's just like if it goes over your head, watch it again kind yeah. of thing, which I def definitely recommend. Even though I like this movie and uh, I mean, I think it is yeah, like I agree with you, Derek. It's my I think it has to go down as my favorite. Zack Snyder movie, even for me, like even watching it for this recording, I was like, I get more understanding of it, and and you, I it is definitely a movie that you have to take your time with, and 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 like think about and stuff like that. But I really do hope that like with our <laughs> with our commentary, you kind of like take that view in mm-hmm. into your next viewing of this movie. If you do not, if you're still like kind of frustrated by it still so yeah yeah
0: yeah because mm-hmm. there's definitely people who i would say you know like there's video essays and stuff i watch with people who know like are incredibly knowledgeable about film who've broken this down and whose just interpretations i just fundamentally disagree with about this movie and about a lot of snyder films um so i think you know maybe because it is a late leg it is a little open to interpretation and that also then is open to misinterpretation
1: yeah. I think the core theme of this podcast is if you're confused by this movie, go and watch a few Leonardo DiCaprio movies. You'll get the <laughs> picture. You'll understand.
2: Django Unchained. Yes.
1: Django Unchained. Django. A bit? A bit. I mean That's that, fucking that scene... Movie. that I fucking scene,
2: love Django Unchained
1: it's so good. Like Oscar eyes is really like uh like it, like you get frightened. Like scene um which is just a testament of how how great of a of a villain he could play too. Yeah. Besides, he's really like been Arrow. a lot
0: of villains. Like, and it's it's crazy because this was like before he was really a thing. Mm-hmm. But like, he uh-huh. was just like this great seething villain in this. I, I, Dude, I loved it.
1: I cannot freaking. I that's one of the for the multiple t- things to hope for. Moon Knight season two. One of the things I that also is I hope for that I want Moon Knight season two so bad is that he is his own. Fucking villain that mm. would be freaking amazing yeah. to see like just him going against himself i i would just and he could pull it off oh my gosh i i'm mm-hmm. so i want i want moon Knight more of course <laughs> but um
2: i mean ex-machina he was pretty terrifying in that that's it's true, true as well, That's true. yeah it's probably one of my favorite of his films but you know what huh. it is it's the eyes Oh, yeah. His eyes mm-hmm. can be fucking scary. Like his mm-hmm. eye, it, he he knows that it's his eyes. His eyes mm-hmm. have this like he kind of does like a bit of a Kubrick stare in a little bit, and he kind of lets his eyes just droop, <laughs> and it just hits you in the in your soul where mm-hmm. you're like, I don't want to get him mad.
1: Yeah. That's oh no! Like his unhingedness at the mm. end, man, was like, don't do this to me now. Like it's just yeah. such. Like on the surface, it could sound so whiny, but it doesn't. we from him. It seems it's like he, and that's also the brilliant part. Like this, this subtle kind of things that that you that pop into your head once you think about it. But like all the other orderlies that he's like ordering around, they're all taller than him, but he yeah. still has this power over them and stuff yeah. like that. And it's just kind of like, but then, but then, yeah, like it's also cool. Because then at the at, then it flips too. Because like Carla Guccino's character, the doctor, who is taller than her, him, with the with her pumps on and stuff like that, kind of like it's a showing of like who he really is. He is just like mm-hmm. a mouse kind Which of. Which is thing, it's know. so
0: interesting because I think you know when she first arrives, the way she's framed because she's Emily Browning's like I don't know five foot six or something, and like she's like the two like dudes behind her are like. Giants. It's like two shacks or something behind her. And it just like shows you that at the beginning she has no power. She has not taken her power yet. And then it's the same thing. Oscar Isaac, like he seems like he has this power. But like you said, Ariel, he just shrinks down. And just the way Snyder uses, you know, the height, like the heights of these actors and just the framing of everything is just masterfully done, I think.
1: Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Mm And on that note, I just kind of want to talk about how I think that Zack Snyder... Is And this is no shock to anybody, but this is something that I think all of his films get talked about really positively. And even this one, you kind of mentioned it earlier, Alan, is just how amazing of a visual storyteller he is. Because this film, even if you could disagree with everything else we've said, you've got to agree that this film looks so unique and interesting. And the way that he's able to just give you so many details through visuals is really great. And...
1: Oh, oh, on that note, I had just learned too that that essentially, to so de- Speaking of details, essentially, um, baby dolls, um, katana, in in the um, in the like fantasy, like adventure, the, mode, the dragon you could on say, it, yeah, yeah, it literally tells the whole story. Like it, I have to go physically back and laugh, That's is really cool. you can't see it, you can't see it, but you did know, like, mm-hmm. um, production wise. They mm-hmm. it etched, essentially, like a mural, like a, like a long mm-hmm. story of the whole story, essentially, visual, like a visual interpretation of it. It's on that, that katana. So, That's really cool. Speaking of de- detail.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that the big part of the reason that he is so visually talented like that is because he's one of these guys who got his start as a director of music videos. um, And mm-hmm. that attention to detail that ability to visual storytell comes through so much and you know two other guys who I think that you could kind of compare them to Who the three of these guys don't seem that similar at first until you are like wow the way that they have just kind of mastery of the camera and just going in and seeing this thing and moving over here these guys all came from music videos David Fincher Michael Bay and of course Zachary Snyder all of those guys are absolute like anybody even if you don't like Michael Bay go and watch Ambulance you know fincher go watch panic room watching and then watch this because they are able to just like you could watch this movie on mute and it would like like snyder has said like hey a lot of people this is going to go over their head. they're not going to get it but maybe they can still just enjoy a really cool visually stunning action film so i think he's absolutely right about that is even if this so for me that's why it's it's a five star movie honestly i'm gonna say five out of five stars one of my favorite movies that i think it's on letterboxd I I, it's the lowest ranked movie that I have five stars. I think it's like a 2.7 of average. I still have it at five. I don't care what anybody else says. Like, because not only because of the, the incredible metaphor in it and the incredible storytelling, but God, it is just so beautiful. It is Mm -hmm. absolutely stunning in a way that a lot of movies feel very much even especially going more today and with the kind of visual effects crisis and the way that, effects companies are mistreated and the workers are just kind of overworked and all that you there's not some of the visual effects do not look as pristine but this one and it, it's not and it's not just this dark grainy sometimes it'll be like just the way he plays with tone and color and all of this stuff is so so well done mm-hmm.
2: Absolutely, so yeah. I agree because uh one of my favorite things of his films is the visuals like I mean mm-hmm. one of the big things I hear too is Uh, you guys have probably heard it too, that he gets along with everyone, like his actors love him. And even apparently like the visual effects departments where I I don't know if it was, I think it might've been for justice league where I guess that they were saying that most of the time directors come in and they just kind of tell them, Hey, I want you to do this, this and this, whatever. Okay. Or sometimes the director won't even show up. And apparently Zack Snyder would actually come in to the visual effects department like the cgi stuff and be like oh i want it to be like this and he sits down with everybody and he tries to paint the picture with them and try and show them like hey this is exactly how it should be and how i want you guys to do it like
1: yeah i think think that's like yeah i think that's like what partially the reason why because because he put all that detail into it and gave visual effects artists kind of like their time that that's one of the reasons why like it got essentially and unfortunately got him in trouble with with warner brothers with all the delays and stuff so yeah
0: because
2: he takes time, and i Mm -hmm. appreciate directors like that and i mean shit like you guys were saying you could mute it and just watch it for the awesome visuals and and they're gorgeous like you said i love everything it sounds dumb to say but they're just very cinematic i mean Redundant, I guess, but it, there's also times where like the imagery he he paints just it, it hits just right. Like you're like, yes, that's exactly how a dream or a fantasy sequence should be. Because it, there there is a stark difference between all the the action scenes and everything the cyberpunk stuff, where it feels like a different film at at one point. But then when you go back to the asylum, it's so dark and gritty and, and it feels very Arkham Asylum-ish. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, like I I think that's one of the big things with him that he does really well is visuals. I mean fucking look at I mean, I know people are going to give me shit but for me, my number one is Batman v. Superman. And I will go go to death loving that film because I love so much of the visual, visuals about it. Like he paints for me I would want almost every frame in that film up on my wall. Like, it's Mm -hmm. stunning. And, like, images of all the heroes and everybody, like, just... It's so powerful. And that's what he does really well. I mean, 300. When I saw 300, I was, like... I immediately walked out of... I saw the movie with my dad. And I was, like, yeah, I want to go work out.
0: Because I want to look (laughs) as huge.
2: And, like, you know, this is way before Man of Steel. And, like, you just... Like the way he has the capes draping and everything. And just even with these characters, like they just look bad ass. Mm-hmm. And almost like mythic. And and I love what he does with Skies where it kind of has this very religious look to it. Almost like
1: mm-hmm.
2: like you're reading yeah. mythology essentially. And you're seeing I it mean, right there
0: and there. And I think yeah, that's that's a really, like that word mythology that you use at Alan, I think is so apt because I think Snyder is, obsessed with mythology because Mm -hmm. you know I mentioned before how um you know his favorite film is Excalibur this like great Arthurian myth and how all of his films like you know he's done so many comic book films and those are just kind of our modern day mythology and this you know mythology is essentially saying this is the power of stories mythologies are about all these stories that have permeated and changed cultures and I think he recognizes the power in that and so this is him making almost an original contained mythology. And I, so I think that he is very apt in kind of creating a movie like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: And I'm yeah. super excited for his rebel moon because dude, that's going to be. Oh my gosh. Dope. It has to oh be my he, gosh. like, oh my he just gosh. knows how to work a camera. And just like, just like he was teasing, you know, all the DC, you know, his DC trilogy with all these like cool black and white photos and, like, he's kind of teasing Rebel Moon, and you just look at that, and you're like, yeah, this dude, number one thing he knows how to do- use is a camera. Like, he just... I'm well, excited yeah, and, for it. And yeah, I think it, War, Rebel
1: Moves is, like, essentially, they're, like, going in a bit of a Top Gun kind of situation. Like, aren't they, like, legit gonna, like, use kind of, like, cockpit, kind of, like... I think, maybe? Well, it's
2: like his Star Wars kind of
1: so Oh, yeah, he, know, like he wanted to a make a Star, Star Wars, but,
0: but he, he couldn't get it. They wouldn't let him do it. So he was just like, you know what? I'll make my own Star Wars. And I think, you know, Star Wars is another one of these modern day mythologies that he's clearly so inspired by. Uh, So it'll be really cool to see his take on it. And I think I'm glad that he's not doing it with, like, the, okay, well, we have to do this. Because you've seen, we talked about it on our solo episode, how Disney is like, you got to do this and this and this for Star Wars. And without him, and you know, we've talked about obviously how much Warner Brothers had to input in. All you know him making all the DC movies, so he just kind of gets to make his own mythology. Same reason I was so excited for this. I'm excited for him to do tell his own stories and not do another adaptation. Mm
1: -hmm. Okay, yeah, I didn't know that that it broke off of the Star Wars um, Mm -hmm. canon. Again, yeah,
2: yeah, it's definitely gonna be excited to see. Like, like I, yeah, I mean, as much as I love him to go back to doing DC stuff. And just even other so, DC is he comics? confirmed
1: to not do? He's not going to be doing uh Man of Steel. Well, we don't know if Man of Steel two is even going to happen. We I mean, I don't think Henry he's going to do it. Is at, coming back?
0: Yeah, I don't think he's going to yeah. do it. It's point, Henry Cavill is be coming back. No, no, Henry I mean, Cavill Cabell coming back. Is. But I'm saying Snyder's not coming back.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Snyder. Yeah, like, Snyder. Yeah.
2: I think he's done. Unfortunately, yeah. Yeah. I think it's been too much. I think it's just
1: burned too much. Yeah.
0: Yeah, there's been too much bad blood. I think
2: the Snyder cut, I think, was like his final you know like nail in the coffin of just being like all right i got Mm -hmm. i got to do my trilogy you know and that's it
1: yeah 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 it's gonna be very weird well no i don't think it'll be very weird i think it is actually hopefully will be a good direction and i'm very like go speaking on that since we don't have like a dc-centric podcast we only go marvel which is which is the right but um <laughs> well, wow, okay. No, I'm I, kidding. I'm, sorry. Yeah, I
0: I'm g- sorry. I guess I'll leave that one. No, Alan, no, when no, are no. you gonna make no. uh, mother boxes and what whatever? <laughs> so yeah,
1: there's... yeah.
2: Mother boxes and lantern rings.
1: Yeah, oh, that's <laughs> yeah. awesome. Yeah, <laughs> be, it would it would be very fitting with the Infinity Stones Dragonbone since one doesn't exist right now anymore, or at mm-hmm. least for right now. <laughs> um, but but yeah, yeah. I mean, like it, it's gonna. I I'm hoping, especially with with the with the handle of of james gunn at the helm that we'll see you know something unique from dc and Mm -hmm. something connected which is like what they're striving for i mean i i'm fine with it going either way if it's not connected or connected i just want them to very much choose a side at this point and that's something that that they hadn't done yet and that's what's kind of like been their their bother you know kind of thing with that but yeah, it's going to be very interesting to not see Zack Snyder's like kind of tone on that universe mm-hmm. anymore.
0: Which but is interesting because I'm just yeah. like, like they're just grabbing anybody who worked on, they're just grabbing the people who worked on Dawn of the Dead* 2004 to run their cinematic universe. They're like, okay, we got Snyder, who 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 wrote that movie? Oh, James Gunn. Okay,
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, Dawn but- of the Dead* is probably one of the best remakes. Out there, so I yep. I don't I don't see why they I don't see why it's wrong. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, yeah, But it's going to be very cool. Um, I'm really hopeful for it because, like I like I have mentioned to you guys at least that that the DC universe did not come to play that well with um at Comic Con, and I was very 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 pretty much disappointed with them of just like showing essentially two movies and and it's movies that you know one came out and Black Adam to so, okay uh, reception. And then one's been delayed again, which um, for no reason at all, which was Shazam. So, so yeah, it's going to be a very interesting world that we're going to be living in with um uh, But I am very excited with Zack Snyder doing a, a, a once again, an, an original concept. I, I too, haven't seen army of the dead. I've heard mixed things. I, I, don't know if I'm Yeah, I heard play a lot of mixed
2: things about it too. Because, I I've,
0: I've wanted to like it so bad.
1: Yeah, the thing, shit. the thing only with that, I think it comes and, down to like store Like I don't know about story because, like, yeah, it does seem to Ocean's Eleven. Kind of um, Dawn of the Dead kind of mixture. That's what it right. should have been, but
0: it wasn't that. That's <laughs> oh, what it fucking. Did ha- that's okay. what I was stoked about. I was like, oh, it's a heist okay. movie with the zombies, and it's just like, no, it's just really. I know. Depressing. I know that
1: it's very much speaking of like bearing the lead of of the story. I know that it, that the the trailers to that movie didn't pay it any like uh, gratitude or anything the like that. Trailers I've and the that. first act. Yeah. Okay. mm-hmm mm-hmm Yeah. Yeah, that I don't know about that movie. We'll see, but but yeah, we'll see. Hopefully that that um Rebel Mood is very much a return to to what what um Sucker Punch you know kind of like was Mm -hmm. too in that kind of movie. But yeah, yeah. With that, um, anything else that you guys want to add about Sucker Punch? No, I
0: mean I think I think I said it all. I said (laughs) yeah. I think we said a lot.
1: (laughs) Yeah, we said a lot. Definitely. Yeah. But with that, yeah, thanks everybody for listening. Um, We do have another few podcasts that we have as part of our undercast company banner. Derek has just started to release his long-awaited season two of Gateway episodes, which um, explores the season miniseries and and introducing himself and and introducing his guests to um, miniseries that they've never seen with a, a Gateway episode and um as always i have my podcast called you've never seen question mark exclamation point where i introduce um somebody or i am introduced by somebody else of a movie that i've never seen that is considered part of pop culture and cinematic history and then as we forementioned, um we have infinity stones and dragon bones for for all of our marvel content and uh we'll be probably discussing Black Panther, I don't know yeah, uh, She-Hulk that episode. Too? did you already talk to She-Hulk?
0: We did She-Hulk, um, so Black Panther is going to be, it should be out actually before this episode comes out um, that's going to be with me and uh, Perry Constantine uh, from the Superhero Cinephiles podcast which is um, should definitely go check that podcast out, me and Ariel have both been on it, Ariel was just recently on it talking about the losers that was a really great episode, I listened to it this morning um, so definitely check that out as well
1: and uh, as always, thanks everybody for being we'll me. You,
2: you know who else got stabbed? Superman. Bye, everybody.